0: Good morning, everybody. Come on in. Come on in. Grab a seat. Beautiful day today. Man, the sun is shining. Awesome out there. So everybody's filing in, let's open real quick in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are here today. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit is here. And Father, we just ask that you would be with us through this opening through this worship time and uh, through the Word, Father, that you would be honored, may each one be ministered to now in Jesus' name, Amen. So I wanted to review a little bit some of our recent messages. I this week has been a little bit more of a challenge for me. Sometimes coming up with an opening is fairly simple but i uh, I had to think, you know, Lord, my prayer is lord, what are you what are you speaking you know and And uh, we can think, well, this is an opening, you know, it's ten minutes, fifteen minutes, not a big deal, right? But if you do the math on how many people are here, you feel the weight a little bit that we don't want to waste this time, these few minutes. how many man hours are represented by each person that's here and listening, and so you feel like, well, I don't want to waste this time, but I had to go back and I had to review some of my notes a little bit recently, and some of the messages that uh, pastors went through. Um, and so, I want to scan through some of these, and I want to read a little bit, and we'll just kind of see where the Lord takes it this morning. But uh, I just want to say, I'm, I'm I'm grateful for that. The Word of God is is preached in this church. You know, you think oh, that's kind of obvious, isn't that happening in every church and uh, I don't think that's always the case. I think a lot of times there is there is a version of the word, but it's not always the full word. You know, the uh, pastor's been going through Ephesians, Galatians. You know, one point he talked about what are we basing our foundation on? Another part, everything that in life that we see is temporary, right? It's not just... Um, what we see and feel is not, is not everything. Are we living worthy of our calling? I appreciated a couple weeks ago, Glenn opened, talked about encouragement, and shared how Jewel was his encouragement. And that was, that was awesome, although I feel a little bit like Glenn felt a couple weeks ago. And I have a little daughter that's about the age of Jewel, but um, she's, I don't know, I think a different personality, but she is an encouragement to me as well. Going on, we've, um, you know, recently back on the 6th, obviously, Pastor continued going through Galatians and, you know, talking about be careful what we speak, what we say, be careful of the example that we give to our children, because. They are watching us, aren't they? Stay in the Word. Last week, Caleb talked about foundations. Foundations of our faith are important, aren't they? And he kind of went through those briefly. And they're much like the foundations of a retainage wall or a foundations of a building. They have to be solid. We have to have those solid. And then Paul talked last week about assidu- i don't even, I, 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 that word—insidious pride. I gotta be careful. I don't want to say something else. Insidious pride. Talked about sin. Talked about sin not having dominion over us. Talking about sometimes we do sin, but then that God has made a remedy for that, hasn't He? Talked about confession. Sometimes we need to confess. Some of us need to confess quite often. Sometimes that confession can be private. Sometimes that confession needs to be public. Paul talked a little bit about generational sin. How can we break generational sin? Because we all have it in our families, don't we? But we're called to come out of that. We're called to break that. He talked about confession being part of sanctification. Obviously, we're part of the sanctification process that is continual, and confession is part of that. So I review those just briefly to say that I'm 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 thankful and I'm grateful that we're in a church that preaches the word of God. Sometimes the word, when it's even hard, I realize that, you know, a lot of the word is is corrective. I I think I even heard one point that I don't know, I heard the term like two-thirds of the word and maybe it's the New Testament I don't know I don't even know but like two-thirds of it is corrective I don't know if that's true or not but I know that you read through a lot of the letters and you read through a lot of the gospels and there's a lot in there and it doesn't you know the Holy Spirit can show us things and he can show us and a lot of it is corrective but you know when you have the Holy Spirit inside of you it's not a harsh thing to endure that correction and to take that correction so I wanted to read um, a little bit here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 7. The title of this uh, part of the, this chapter is called The Glory of the New Covenant. But if the ministry of death... So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses... Because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious." Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And then verse 18, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. A couple of the verses I want to I zone in on. This, this being described as the glory of the new covenant. You know, what was given to Moses when he went up for the, the 12 commandments and they were inscribed on stone, he came down. He had to literally put a physical veil over him. The power of God was so strong on him that if they were to even look on him, they would have perished. And so he had to have a physical, bear, uh, a physical uh, veil there. Then this is also talking about <clears throat> where there literally is still kind of a veil for the Jewish people because the truth they're not they're not buying into Jesus Christ as the Messiah. There's still a veil there. But the veil I want to talk about is the veil that can be in our hearts through sin and the call of the gospel. Is for liberty, and it's for lifting of that veil. So I want to ask if there is a veil in your life. And maybe I'm going to preach to... Just one or two, and I'm not preaching, but I'm opening, and maybe I want to speak to (laughs) the one or two people that are here that can relate to this. I'm going to assume that I'm speaking to the choir, but I know where I was a handful of years ago, probably a little longer than that. I grew up in church, was made a confession of faith at a at a at a young age, you know, 15, 14, 15 years of age, desired to serve God and love Him. But as I got older, the temptations and the and the temptations of the and the and the, the attractions of the flesh begin to pull me away. And it's pretty easy to live your life as a Christian and come to church every Sunday. And you look good and you smell good, and you can say the words and you can say, you know, the language and you can fit in. But in your heart of hearts, you know you're not right. And that's where I was for a long time. Even into my adult life, even into my marriage life. There was a veil there. But I can tell you that a number of years ago, part of it was I got sick and tired of getting sick and tired of getting sick and tired. And I got sick and tired of this sin, confess, repeat cycle. Sin, confess, repeat. Sin, confess, repeat. And I finally went and I exposed my sin. And much like Paul said... Paul, last Sunday, talked about confession. I had to go and I had to confess, and I had to truly confess. But I can tell you that for me, there is a veil that was over my face. There was a veil. And when there's sin in your life as a Christian, there's a veil. You don't, you can't feel. You can't. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about sins of you hit your finger and something comes out of your mouth and it was spontaneous, and it was, did not honor God, and it was not edifying for the hearers. I'm not talking about that kind of sin. I'm talking about the sin, the idols in our lives, the idols that want to attract us, and they're all around us, right? We all know what they are. I'm talking about the things that grip and can get our heart if the Lord Jesus Christ does not have our heart. But the good news is, is that that veil can be taken away. And when we truly come to the Lord, and when we truly repent, and when we truly fall on Him, the veil is lifted. And what I found, when that veil began to get lifted in my life, is all of a sudden, you feel like your prayers can be heard. Because you can sit in here, and you can pray, and you can worship, and you can do all these things, but you feel like your prayers are, boom, you're hitting the ceiling. But when the veil is lifted, it is a glorious thing. So we need to, the, the scripture says that we need to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. And this is not something we need to do just once a year. Some people think, well, I need to go away. I need to go up in, in the mountains and, you know, and, and pray. And, and, uh, or I need to go and get away for a weekend. Really, we need to examine our lives Daily. And I would say if you're not in the word daily, it's pretty easy to get distracted. It's pretty easy to get that veil begins to kind of come back, right? Because we're not looking to him. We're not looking to one that authored our faith. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I can tell you that there is liberty. How do you, how do you know how do you know you're experiencing liberty? You have to think about that. How do I know? You know, how do I know I really have the Holy Spirit, and 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 I really have? You know, I'm I'm good. I'm, I have salvation. You know, because I pretty well thought most of my life I was saved. Now looking back, I think I I don't know I wouldn't have not have wanted to face God a number of years ago when everybody you know thought I was a Christian. But I, I can tell you, there's a very simple test that you can have that you can look at. It's called the first fruits of the spirit: love, joy, peace. You would I think I think those are the kind of the first fruits. Obviously, there's a lot of the fruits of the spirit, but you look at those three. And I go, is there love in my heart? Is there love? Do I love the church? Do I love God's people? Do I love people in general? Do I have peace in my heart? And do I have joy in my daily walk? And I can tell you, if it, that, that is a real litmus test for the faith, is if any one of those is gone, and I can tell you, weekly, I have to look at those, because there's, weekly, there's things that irritate me. I'm not talking about gross sins. I'm just talking, there's things, there's people, there's situations that happen, right? And our peace can kind of temporarily go for a little bit. Our joy kind of goes, and then you go, wait a minute. Lord, you've saved me. I, there is no enmity between me and you. I am saved. I am righteous. I have the righteousness of God and Christ Jesus on me. The joy, boom, it comes back. Because my righteousness or my joy my peace is not, is not on some external situation. It's not on what happens to me. It's not, it's not based upon how t- people treat me. It's not really even based upon how my wife or my children... Treat me or react. It's based upon my, my right standing with my father. Romans fourteen seventeen says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit you know, a lot of times i think we can get tempted even some you know young people i think there's a temptation there to think that man life is life is having fun right life is eating and drinking what what does eating and drinking represent it really represents kind of external pleasure right Out, that's outside of our body things that it's not representing the spirit realm necessarily it's kind of the opposite you know there's the, of the love, joy, and peace that is, we can't see, we really can't see that, right? We can see demonstration of the acts of love, joy, and peace and the fruits of the Spirit. But eating and drinking, they are fun. They're, they're, it's, it's really representing pleasure, right? It's, and it's a delight. We love to fellowship. We love to eat. We love to drink. But, but it's not, that's not life in and of itself. And this, this is saying the kingdom of God is not just that. It's not just about having fun, it's about having your spirit right with God and being right before him and knowing that you're forgiven and taking those steps to allow him to remove that veil. Again, I, I believe that most in here have, have, have experienced that, have experienced that veil being removed. But I wonder if there's not somebody in here today that, that is where I was a number of years ago. You know, and I, I, I don't... I don't We want to believe that, man, everybody, everybody's doing good, right? I in mean, a church, right? I'm here. What does Jesus say in Matthew chapter seven, though? He says, "Not all who say to me, "Lord, Lord, will be saved, but those who do the will of my Father." I'll just read it because I'll probably get it wrong. Um, It's a, it's a portion of scripture that's always bothered me. It still bothers me to this day. But it motivates me. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. And that was me a few years ago. So the call is to come out. The call is to come out and come into the light. God can forgive our sins, but we have to come out. We have to allow Him to remove that veil. That's what I have today. Let's stand. We'll call the worship team to come up and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the hard scriptures in your word that motivate us, Father. Thank you that you you are committed to us, Lord. You've said that you will never leave us or forsake us, but you also are... You're calling us to come, to not stay in the darkness, to walk and to come to the light. Lord, I pray for each one here. I pray for salvation today. Today is the day of salvation. And I pray if there is one person here that is not 100% sure in their heart that if they died this afternoon, that they would see you. Lord, that they would cry out to you. Lord, that they would be granted repentance, and that they could come to know this life, that they could have their veil removed, Father. Thank you now, Lord Jesus, in your name,
1: amen. And welcome, <clears throat> welcome to the first day of spring. Spring is here. That's always exciting, and, and to go with that, we have the sunshine today, so it's very nice. Uh. Thank you guys for what you're sharing. It's just encouraging to hear the body working together, and uh, that's what we're here for. We want you to come here, and we want you to be encouraged. We want you to feel loved, and hopefully you can be challenged by what you hear this morning. We're going to go back to Ephesians. We've got about a couple, two, or three weeks left in Ephesians before we finish there. So Ephesians chapter 5, <clears throat> we're going to finish the chapter from 15 to 33. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it So there's a fair amount going on here in the end of Ephesians, and it's starting to talk. It's it's giving some things that we should follow and things that we should not follow. And the first, starting off, it says, see that you walk circumspectly. And so, of course, I had to get my dictionary out to look up circumspectly, because I'm not going to try to guess what these words mean circumspectly means heedful of circumstances and potential consequences or another word would be prudent see then that you walk circumspectly i've been talking about ignorance a few weeks ago and this in a sense could be another way of ignorance are we how are we living our lives how are we walking out what we believe? How are we showing people what we believe? How are we sharing God's love with people? Are we walking circumspectly? Are we walking, I didn't say that right, did I? Circumspectly, I'll get it, you try to say it. Are we walking in this way? Or are we just wandering around in life hoping that maybe we'll find out where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do? Or are we walking around in our life? Are we going through life living with a purpose? Are you living with a purpose? Because we can wander around life and we might make it through and we might have some good times and we might have some bad times, but let me tell you, if you don't stay in the word every day like was mentioned this morning, if you don't continue to read God's word and what he wants us to do and how to avoid walking circumspectly or how to continue walking in that way, I should say, and not just wandering ignorantly around in this life, wondering what in the world we're here for. See, then, that you walk circumspectly. I'm going to get it before we're done. But are we walking with a purpose? Are we walking trying to fulfill what God's will for our life is? Or are we just wandering around aimlessly? And I just want to... Right off the bat, challenge you with that. I want you to look at your life. I want you to look at what you do. I want you to look at the way you live and the things that you say and the people that you hang out with. And I want you to really look deep into what you do and who you are. And are you wandering around in this life aimlessly or are you actually living with a purpose? Because God put us here for a purpose. And we, you, me, all of us are important to him. And he has a reason for us being here. And so let's not just ignorantly think that we can live life hoping that everything works out because we need to live life with a reason, with a purpose. And that purpose is written right here. And that purpose is in following our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's why we live. That's what we should strive after every day that we're alive. I want to read John chapter 12, verses 35 and 36. The disciples are talking to Jesus. And he answered them. Then Jesus said to them, "'A little while longer the light is with you. "'Walk while you have the light, "'lest darkness overtake you. "'He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going.'" While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. Jesus was walking here on the earth. He was the light. And he says, walk with the light while the light is with you. Today, we don't have Jesus living here personally, physically with us, but he is living here with us. We can't see him but we can hear what he says. We can read what he has said that is still relevant for today. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. See then that you walk circumspectly. Let's not wander around in darkness. It's been mentioned several times already this morning. We don't have to wander around in darkness. There might be days, there might be times that seem dark, but if we keep our eyes on Christ, on Jesus, who is the light of the world, he will light our path, even though times may seem dark. verse 16 in Ephesians 5 says redeeming the time because the days are evil and maybe I should have just spent the whole time on these first couple of verses but I didn't so if we don't get done on time that's just the way it is today that's okay redeeming the time so not only are we trying to avoid just wandering around in this life aimlessly we're trying to live with a purpose are we really redeeming the time Are we using our time here wisely or are we wasting it away? What can we do? There's always things that we can do that I can do better to redeem the time. Time is short. We don't know how much time we have. Nobody's promised tomorrow. Redeeming the time because I don't know if you've noticed in the things going on in our world, there is evil running rampant in our world today. There are a lot of good things happening and God is still alive and well and he's still on the throne and he's still working through people and he's still doing amazing things if we're only willing to see them, if we are not walking in darkness, if we can get that veil off of our face like Zach said this morning and we can look and see what's going on in our world today. Colossians 4 or 5 says, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Are we using our time wisely? Are we using the conversations that we have with people wisely? Because sometimes it's easy just to visit with somebody and not really talk about anything that's very important. But how many times in conversations that you have with people does your Lord and Savior come up in your conversation? How often does that happen? It doesn't always happen with me. Maybe it doesn't always need to, but that needs to be in the forefront of our mind. Let's talk to people and let's try to encourage people and let's try to point people to Christ and what he's done for us. Are we redeeming the time? Are we using our time wisely? Are we seeking out what the will of the Lord is? And according to the new commandments that he gave, they are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. If you're not sure what your purpose here in life is, I will guarantee you those two things are the purpose of everybody that's living and breathing on the earth today. And so that's a good place to start. Verse 17, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Proverbs 20, verse 1 says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and wher- and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. You know, I always wonder, why does it put not being drunk with wine in the same verses it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit? Wine will, wine, too much wine, I should say, because I'm not bashing wine in general. I'm just saying too much wine will free you to do things you wouldn't normally do. But you know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit will free you to do things that you wouldn't normally do, except you still know what you're doing. The Holy Spirit is who we should look to. So why does it compare those two? Because they can both do the same thing, except for the Holy Spirit's the one that we want. The Holy Spirit's the one that we want working through us, and we want the Holy Spirit, if we're really truly asking the Lord to bless us and to use us and to work through us, why would we not want Him, the Holy Spirit, to help us to do things that we maybe wouldn't normally do? Or give us boldness to do things that He asked us to do? Why would we not want that? I want the Holy Spirit to be living and working through me and in me. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, <clears throat> giving, <clears throat> excuse me, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm chapter 34, verses 1 through 4. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. It says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And We do that this morning here, but do you ever, <clears throat> do you ever go about your day and you, you get up in the morning and you, maybe you read in the morning or whenever, I don't know when it is, but whether you do or you don't and you start going about your day and you, and you all of a sudden find yourself humming a song or singing a song. And then you realize that by the end of the day, you're still singing the same song. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Because it says to sing praises to him all the time. It doesn't matter if you know how to sing or you don't. You put a, If God puts a song in your mouth, sing it. I get to work by myself quite a bit, and so it's not... It's a little bit easier to start singing. What I have to remember is if I'm on the tractor, then I'm trying to sing loud enough that I can hear myself, and then some other people sometimes get to hear me across the orchard. Colossians chapter 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Are Are we striving to Teach and admonish one another and also receive teaching and admonishment from others. The last verse in this section says, Submitting to one another in the fear of God. And we're going to go on into the next part because submitting, and here we will in just a little bit. I should probably finish what I was doing. Are we teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns? Are we taking the time to do that? Another verse, First uh, Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. But the end of all things is at hand, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Christ, through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever <clears throat> and ever. Amen. Let's use the gifts right here with what it's talking about. Uh Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, are we using the gifts that God has given us to minister to one another? Sometimes we are so busy, and we find this in our lives some, and it's not that this isn't important, but we are so busy watching after our own affairs, our own family, which is important. Don't get me wrong. I don't want you to misunderstand. But we miss opportunities to minister to others. Because it's really, really easy to get so self-absorbed and self-focused that we can't hear anything or see anything else going on around us. Now I'm not at all condoning that you ignore your family so that you don't miss anything because your family is your first responsibility. But God will give you the discernment and he'll give you the wisdom and he'll give you the the grace to see things around us that are going on because I know I miss things because I can get pretty self-absorbed. Are we, then the last one right there, it says submitting to one another in the fear of God. Are we willing to submit to one another? And we're gonna go, in the next section, we're gonna go into three different areas that God addresses and the first one is, is husbands and wives that we're going to go into. The second one, another week, will be children and parents. And the third one is masters and slaves. Three areas, because it's not, I was reading in a, a different translation, and you know how the Bible has things sectioned off, and, and that takes a break, and then you move on to another topic. In this one, it has this last verse, 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. It has it ending this section. In the other version I was reading, it has it starting the next section. And the next section is now talking about wives submitting to your husbands as to the Lord. And you know, when, I should probably turn my page. Submission is a voluntary choice or an act. If you understand what was happening when Paul was writing this, they were living under Roman rule. And in the Roman social arena, men were on top. That's just the way they did things. And Paul is just saying, okay, I understand that God has brought in a new way. Because if you're reading Galatians, it says where there's, ne- there's neither Jew nor, nor Gentile. And there's neither slave nor free. And it says there's neither male nor female. God has created everybody equal in his sight. There's nobody that's above anybody else. But in the Roman society that they were living in of that day, men were the top, the leader. And, and women and, and were treated like, basically like property, which was wrong. But Paul is saying, I want you to voluntarily submit I want, to each other. This is a two-way street. I want you to voluntarily submit to each other. There's no reason to try to overthrow the Roman society that we're living in. You know, if you read the scripture, and if you're living according to the way Jesus wants, you know how it's supposed to be. You know what it's supposed to look like. But are we willing... To submit to one another in the fear of God. Not because we have to, not because it's required of us, but are we willing to do it? Because when God sets something up, when God sets up a principle, it's usually for our best interest. If you go all the way back to Genesis and the Garden of Eden and the curses that were given to man and to woman, they were different. It was two different things. And we have dealt with that ever since then. One's wanting to take over the other one. And if we would just operate in the way that God established with this principle, it works so much better. And again, I'm not trying to say that one is better or higher than the other, but God has set up a principle here. And that's why we look at it. That's why we... That's why we continue to go through this and sometimes this can be very controversial and I'm not trying to it doesn't need to be it doesn't have to be that's not what God intended for it to be. Wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wife wives be to their own husbands in everything. It's all a picture of Christ's relationship with us. And if we can, if we can grasp, and there's things that we won't ever grasp and understand while we live here, but if we can understand a part of what God is trying to say, he said, this is what I set up, this is how it's supposed to be. God is the one ultimately in charge of everything, and all of us together should be willing to submit to God. But if the husband or the man or the leader of the home is submitting to God in the way that he is supposed to submit to God, it will be not an issue for the wife to submit to the husband in the context of what's being said here. The problem is, is that men don't step up and do what they're supposed to do, and they don't submit to God, but yet they expect submission from their wives. And let me tell you, it is not going to work. It will not work. You're going to dig yourself a hole that you're not going to be able to get out of. We need to keep our eyes and our focus on Christ. One thing that I was reading said, don't feel bad because if if husbands if wives are called to submit, that means husbands are called to die. Because later on it starts talking about husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church. You know what Christ did for the church? He loved the church so much that he came and died for us. If we as men and as husbands can grasp and understand what that concept is, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have to physically die here but if we're willing to lay down our own selfish sometimes needs and ambitions to love our wives. Paul encourages the believers to submit by choice, not to try to overthrow what's going on in the society of that day. <clears throat> this is an example that Christ has set for us. The scripture is full of examples that he has set for us. This is just another one. As Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Now, we're talking about Christ in the church, but it also is using the husband and wife relationship because it's supposed to imitate, it's supposed to mirror that relationship of Christ with us, his church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever You take care of your body. Usually, if something hurts, you usually don't do it. Or if something is uncomfortable, you don't like it, you try to avoid it. Uh, You know, we like to take care of ourselves. We're good at it. It's the way we were made. Humanly speaking, uh, we are very good at looking out for, number one, that'd be me. I'm good at looking out for me. But God says, you need to be aware of other people. If you're going to, if you're going to be in a marriage relationship, it isn't, just, it, it isn't just about you anymore. And I don't know about you, but after you first get married, and you, <clears throat> I heard several people say before that they realized how selfish they were. And I realized that too. You realize that you're quite selfish before you get married. And then when you get married, it isn't just about you anymore. There's somebody else that you're responsible for and they're responsible too. Ultimately, it's God, but now you have another person that you are living with and doing life with. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. God takes care of us in ways that we can't even understand. If you want your wife to feel special, or, privilege, or or what's the word? Special would be a good word. If you want to feel your wife to feel taken care of, do something for her or surprise her with something that she wasn't expecting. God does these things for us and we take them for granted. God came, he sent his son and died for us because he loved us so much he was willing to do that for you and for me. And we as men can take that example that was set and don't recommend dying, but we can do things that will show that we are no longer we are not selfish but we have the best interest of the other person in mind for we are members of his body of his flesh and of his bones for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh this is a great mystery but i speak concerning christ and the church Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. In a loving and God-centered marriage, which hopefully we have here, when something affects one spouse, it affects the other. You know, when we as People, as children of God, make poor choices. It affects God. And in the same way, our relationship here mirrors that. And if something happens to me or something happens to my wife, it happens to both of us. It affects both of us in the same way that as we're living our life and if we're walking circumspectly, so as not to hurt the heart of God because it does affect. Does God need us? He doesn't need us. God wants a relationship with each one of us. He created us because He wants the relationship. Uh, That's not the right one. Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. God wanted, he desired to spend eternity with us for whatever reason, he wants to spend it with us. And so he knew that he had to make a way for that to be possible. Because left to our own devices, we were not going to make it. We weren't going to make it. So God came up with a way to to be able to present us, his church, to him spotless. Not because of what we've done, but because of everything that Jesus did on the cross in shedding his blood. That's what made the difference. That's what makes it possible for us to spend eternity with him. Three things to remember this morning. Let's remember to walk with purpose. Walk with purpose. Redeem the time Don't wander around aimlessly. Please stay in the word so that we know what that purpose should be. The second one is let's give thanks always. That is not easy to do. I don't do it very good. But let's give thanks always for all things. And also the last one is to recognize that marriage, the marriage relationship that we get to enjoy here represents Christ's relationship with us as his church. And let's not forget that they're duplicate in a sense. One mirrors the other. Let's walk with purpose this week. In whatever we're doing, in wherever we go, whether it's in a relationship with our spouse or with our, um, somebody we work with or whoever it might be, let's walk with purpose. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing. Page 15 in your book. Esther's going to lead it. Stand up with me if you would. Father, we thank you so much for your love this morning. I just pray that you would continue to guide us, Lord. I pray for your wisdom. I pray that you would help us to walk with a purpose. Lord, give us your wisdom, give us your heart for people. Help us to use our time wisely. I pray that you would help us to give thanks in everything that we do. And Lord, I pray for each marriage here today. I pray that we can live in a way that points people to you. We thank you, Father, so much for your love for us. I just pray that you would bless our week, guide us as we go from here. In your name we pray, amen.